All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey guys, welcome to a summer exclusive barn burner. It's a long form sit down with flames legends. And today, well, in fact, early in June, we sat down with Mike Vernon, the man who came up so clutch so many times in round one, in game seven, in overtime on their path to the Stanley Cup. Uh, Vernon and I and Rat Warner sat down in the Tower Studios here in Marta Loop and caught up for 90 minutes. Uh, great guy, always known for his sense of humor. Tons of fun. And what did we know? Two and a half weeks later, announced as part of the 2023 class to the Hockey Hall of Fame. A reminder, here in the Tower Chrysler Studios, they're the Calgary's Consumer Choice Award winner for favorite Chrysler Dodge dealer. You can find them at 10901 McLeod Trail South and at towerchrysler.com. Sit back, pour yourself a cold one. Enjoy our chat with Mike Vernon. Sir, how, how you are doing, you doing, boys? Good, good. There's a jersey hanging too, isn't there? Is there a Vernon jersey in here somewhere? Not in here. At the oh, yeah, there's the rafters. <laughs> we should have rafters in here. We should retire our own jerseys. This is a, not a bad idea. I don't know if the people who get the jerseys retired will respect it as much. <laughs> <laughs> and no one will see them except your guests. Yeah. <laughs> well, what a distinguished group, though. I mean, wow. Uh, yeah. Exclusive. Yeah. Very exclusive. I. I remember growing up, I was probably seven or eight when you guys won the cup. And obviously as a Calgarian being a part of that, that's something that everyone here will always talk about. But one of the things when I was getting ready for this that I'd forgotten is like, you were an absolute huge part of that 89 team, but 
1997, we're talking like almost a decade later, you and a con Smythe, like the success you had beyond your Calgary years was incredibly impressive. And before we get all there, <laughs> I guess let's take it right back to the beginning. You're a kid in Calgary. How do you end up playing net? Never mind getting to the NHL. Well, uh, <laughs> I had three older brothers and I just grew up here in Eltador area and uh, was at the South Calgary Community Association. So with three older brothers, the youngest one always had to go in net. And uh, back in those days, my father was coaching the peewee team. They only had one goaltender. And he's like, you're coming out and you're practicing. You're in the other net. And I've always had the older boys shooting on me all the time. And I just loved it. I just, uh, I thrived on it. And uh, there was a guy by the name of Bob Sinkler, who I still stay in touch with to this day. Um, he was my idol. I used to go to his house after uh, school, knock on the door. Hi, Mrs. Sinkler. Can I go down and look at Bobby's goalie gear? Because I thought he had the coolest gear and stuff. So I go down and try it on. He would give me all his hand-me-downs after too. So where was he playing? Well, he was he was playing with the Broncos in Bantam or Midget or something okay. like that. So he was a, he was my oldest brother's uh, age, and uh, so it was just great. And uh, I don't. We came from a hockey family, and that's just the way it was. I have a younger sister that was a a very good soccer or hockey player too, and uh, it was just. The family. We all did it every every weekend. That's the way it was. Different back then, I'm imagining. You got kids now, and you've <laughs> been through the ringer with all the youth sports in today's world. I can't imagine you played a lot of spring summer hockey. Oh, definitely not. As soon as I think it was seasons April over. or whenever the hockey was over, my baseball glove would come out in the bat, and I'd be playing baseball at South Calgary over by the. Uh, the same community center down below the hill and things like that. And it was, uh, that's just the way it was. You were a multi, you played multi-sports. What uh, position? All over? Which one do you think? I'm thinking catcher, right? <laughs> I got it. I hate to barge in. <laughs> well, why? Why catcher? Why goaltender? Smallest. No. Because you're crazy. <laughs> Partly. No. You never left the ice. Uh, I never left the field. You yeah, were yeah, yeah, always, yeah. you know, I had ADHD probably, right? Never was diagnosed with it, but I can tell you now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I always wanted to be on the field. I always yeah. wanted to compete. Yeah. So that's just the way it was. Still and a love for ball? I love baseball. Yeah, I still watch it. The Blue Jays and uh, my uh, <laughs> my daughter dates a baseball player for the Washington Nationals. Oh. Oh. Yeah. So no, we, uh, I, I've always liked, loved baseball. Yeah. So when did you know that? Cause obviously you have the older brothers and this is a, it's a common story. You hear a lot when you've got older siblings, you're just, you're tested by better athletes. But when did you think like, Oh my goodness, like I'm, I'm a lot better than, than I think a lot of my counterparts, not an egotistical way, but to think like, Oh boy, this well, might be the thing I'm good at in life. Walk through how it went. So yeah. Okay. You're playing the peewee or this or that. What was the, well, <laughs> there was a guy by the name of Harold Poseshnik. Um, he was an Alberta amateur golfer. He was my coach in Bantam and Midget. Um, and I was too young to play the Midget uh, SWA Association, which is now the Royals. So my dad 
says, yeah, my son wants to try it. And he's, well, he's kind of young. He's not of age and things like that. And dad said, well, you just give it a, you give it a try. And uh, so I practiced with him. And then Harold used to come down and shoot some pucks at me and start shooting them and shooting it harder and harder. And I was stopping him. And he just goes, holy shit, this guy can stop a puck. So lo and behold, I stayed on the team and I just, I just kept going. And uh, I never thought of where I was going or what I was doing. I just wanted to go play. There was, it was very simplistic. It was, I just wanted to go play. I wanted to have fun. I wanted to compete. I didn't worry about any of the other stuff. And I never really worried about the other stuff until when I was with the Wranglers, uh, I got drafted by the Calgary Flames. And then it was like, it kind of hit me. It goes, wow, I might have a chance at the National Hockey League or whatever. And uh, that's how it all went. Training-wise. So you're on the ice all, as much as possible, and you can play baseball all summer, this and that. <laughs> Today's world, a kid will have, if you're a goalie, you'll have your own goalie coach and your own ice time and your own plan. Right, it's crazy. That's what happens. Was there anything specific you were doing that was different than anyone else, or was it? I'm playing hockey. This is great. Whatever. Well, when I got drafted, Pierre Paget, and I think it was the first year of fitness, really, with the Calgary Flames, and uh, handed us a thin book or mailed it to us, and I just did that. I Amazing. I ran. I went and did Nautilus weights or weights a bit, and. Uh, you know, I'd work out for a couple hours a day and then that was it type thing. But it was, I remember even going to training camp, my first training camp. This is, this is crazy, but we're going for a five mile run and half the guys were like, no, I'm not doing it. And things like this. And Pat Reagan was there in a towel and he, <laughs> he's got a bowl of jelly for a belly, you know, God rest. <laughs> like he's a good guy. I, I like Pat Reagan, good goalie, but uh, I just couldn't believe it. I, I go, this is the NHL, and I'm standing there, and Brad Marsh comes up to me and says, hey, Vernie, how you doing? I'm good. I look down, and he has a pair of Kodiak work boots on. And I go, you don't own a pair of runners? Nope, never owned a pair of runners in my life. <laughs> I'm going, this is the NHL? I couldn't believe it. He ran five miles in those Kodiak work boots. Wow. Yeah. I can't decide if that's incredibly tough or stupid it's probably both yeah, but you, you, yeah. if you follow his career after he he was doing triathlons and things like this he became a really oh he got really, into it yeah he got into fitness and went to ottawa and played very well and he had actually a long career oh yeah yeah and a great guy what can you tell us about the wranglers like we, i i grew up in this space where it's okay with whhl team the american league teams here now so what was junior hockey like at that point? And what was it like to be a Calgarian on the Wranglers? Super normal or not? Because the Hitmen's like, not, you know, it's Western Canada and the States. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it was good for me because I had the ability to stay home. I was with the Billings Bighorns and I forced a trade uh, so I could be at home. And I played for the Calgary Wranglers uh, or the Calgary Canucks. And which makes sense to me. I'm still going to school, play there and stay at home. And it's a good environment. And I'm surprised more kids don't do it. All these kids are in junior A, they're leaving and stay home, go to school. And there's some great junior teams right here. The Canucks, you got Okotoks. So anyway, 
I did that. And then I went into, uh, I went to the Wranglers as a 17 year old and made the team. But I mean, the road trips were hellish. Um, it's a tough league. It's, uh, it, it's, it's a grind. And as a 17 year old playing there, uh, you had to grow up really quick. The media was, and your own coach, Doug Sauter, sometimes he was hard on me, like called me out in the media. And it was like, holy shit, what's going on here? And uh, you just had to grow up very fast and you had to figure out your game. And it forced, I think it forced me to work at my game mentally. And uh, if that's what I wanted to do. Um, we had decent teams. We never won, but we had decent teams. Uh, I got called up a couple times to play in the Memorial Cup with Portland. But uh, it it was a good training ground uh, for the NHL and uh, pro hockey. Uh, you played, what was it, I think 72 many, games yeah, in the travel schedule. What was the age schedule. group? And so 72 games, what yeah. was the age, 17 to 20-year-olds? 20 20-year-olds, 20 yeah. And teams of... Western Canada from Winnipeg. Winnipeg had a team at the time. Uh, Moose Jaw wasn't in it. Uh, Seattle, out to Victoria. Uh, Billings, Bighorns. Bus like trips. the bus trips, they're all bus trips. Yeah. Except the when we played Vic, Victoria in the playoffs and Grant Fear was there. And we flew on a little DC-3 propeller job that skipped over the mountains. <laughs> Village Honda is a proud supporter of Barnburner. You can find them in the Northwest Auto Mall or check them out online at villagehonda.com. Village Honda's got new Hondas arriving daily. Drive away in your new Honda from Village Honda, your dealership for life in the Northwest Auto Mall and at villagehonda.com. The Hearing Loss Clinic has been helping change people's lives for the better since 1993. At the Hearing Loss Clinic, it's never been about hearing impairment. It's been about empowering you to be socially active, more connected with those around you, and confident in every aspect of your life. People of any age can suffer from hearing loss, and studies have shown that serious health risks have been linked to untreated hearing loss. They have nine locations to serve you, four in the city of Calgary. Make a healthy choice and book an evaluation today at hearingloss.ca. So you alluded to it. This was at a time where if you went to the Memorial Cup, I believe you could pull someone from your league to represent yes. your team. And so despite being a Wrangler, you played, I believe, twice for Portland. That that's, would blow people's minds right now in junior hockey. But that, at the end of the year, you could switch teams. But you were kind of loading up when you wanted to play people from Ontario, <laughs> Quebec, or whatever it was. Yeah, they call it the Mike Vernon rule. They <laughs> opted that out after because it was John Chappie Chapman with the left bridge. And... Uh, they were in the finals with Portland in the Western finals and they were still playing, but they both wanted me to make my decision. And I told Chappie, I said, you guys have Kenny Riggett, Portland have nobody. I wouldn't be playing. I'd sit on the bench. It's my last year. I want to play. And Portland said I'd be playing. He agreed. That was fine. But in fairness to Chappie too, they should have waited until the end of this series was over because Kenny Riggett got hurt. Mm. He twisted his ankle and he couldn't play. And that's what the rule was for. Right. But I, my conscience, I couldn't go back on my decision. They wanted it. And that's what I just dis decided. And they both agreed. But then Chappie, this is what this rules for. Yeah. So anyway, then they said, no more of that. The but league stepped in and said, that's enough of that. 
Best players in the league at that time. Best players? Well, the Sutters, Brent Sutter was on left bridge. Uh, you Remchuk was on Portland. Kenny Nile or Gary Nyland. Um, who's the Boston uh, defenseman? Uh, Gordy Kluzak. Gordy Kluzak. I mean, there's some there's some great players. Uh, Bobby Rose, as big as a house, was there. <laughs> <laughs> I played with him in uh, with the Red Wings. He was awesome. But no, there there are some great players in the Western Hockey League and uh, best player you played with or against that never moved on. Putting you on the spot here a little bit, wow. but there's always guys, right? Wow. Like, I'm gonna have to. Uh, Go with Mike Height, first rounder to L.A. Never played in the American League or the NHL, but he went over to Germany and had a very good career. He was a he was a hell of a defenseman. Like he was he was really good. And well, I played against Boudelier, but he was done. In- <laughs> tough league at the time. I mean, hockey was tougher back then, and right? Like, was it line brawls? What are we talking? <laughs> Oh, no, there was a lot of brawls. Yeah. There was a lot of five-on-fives and things like that. It was, you know, you had Daryl Stanley, Dave Brown, and Saskatoon. Those guys aren't afraid to drop the gloves. Uh, no, there there was even Billings Bighorns. I don't know. We brawled them a few times. And, oh, Regina Pats. I can't forget that. <laughs> a lot of line brawls, bench-clearing brawls with them, too. So it was, uh, it was a different game. It was... It was it was a little crazy. The games were like three and a half, four hour long, little uh, long for me. But uh, yeah, it was it was a tough league. There was no doubt. And I uh, Doug Sauter knew he had to protect me. And I I think the smallest defenseman I had was Daryl Moose Anholt, and he was six three. He was drafted by Chicago, but he was about. 240. Anyone nicknamed the Moose is your smallest guy. You're in good shape. Oh, it, was, it was great. <laughs> Bruce Robertson, 6'6, six, six, went on to win a gold medal for Canada in uh, eight man rowing. Uh, Smitty, another guy that was 6'4. So I had some big defensemen around me, took care of me. It's so kind of nice. The Calgary thing continues. You talked about you get drafted and all of a sudden the dream's becoming real. I mean, you've hardly left the province in a weird way and and, and you're, you're still a Calgarian, but here you are at the greatest of heights in the NHL. What was it like breaking through? Because that was a team that you, you, you summited the mountain in 89, but a lot of those pieces were there and you would sort of watch the evolution of it from early 80s when you arrived right to the climax. Yeah, it's, well, Calgary, when did they come in in 81? 80, 81, yeah. 81, that's the year I think I was drafted. But, yeah, that was their first year. And, uh, you know, I got to watch a lot of it being playing in the same building, the Calgary or the Corral, which they just tore down. But anyway, it's uh, it was it was a good breeding ground for me to see the NHL. And I had great opportunity to practice with the NHLers, too they'd always have a goalie and need a goalie for practice and things like that. So I was always getting called up to practice with them. And, uh, oh, the scariest, I think that one of the scariest and talented players was Kent Nielsen. And uh, we would do breakaways. I couldn't stop him. I Magic could, man. I could not stop him. Um, and I'm just like, what the hell am I going to do? And I even remember my first game I you know, it got thrown in. Don Edwards got pulled. I went in and Edmonton was on a power play. And 
they scored a few goals. My goals against was over 22.22 that year. And I only played maybe 10 minutes. And I, like Brent I, I just there. basically <laughs> said, I don't know if I'm going to be able to play in the National Hockey League. I got to figure out a way to stop these. And it's just, it's mind-boggling. You're just, it's just bam, bam. Gretzky behind the net in front match. Score. It was just constant. Yeah. And it was like, holy shit. <laughs> you can do that. You're good. Yeah. So I, I spent two and a half years in the minors. And, uh, trying to own my skills and things like that, but just working at it. And I just, it, it was, it was a grind. I got a lucky break because Mark Demore started cramping up and I got a chance to come in and play flames at that time had uh 11 game losing streak coming in. They kept calling me up and sending me back down and I played against the Russians and we beat them. Bob Johnson was so excited. <laughs> it was crazy. And then, uh, we tied, I think, Vancouver 3-3 or 4-4, and it broke the losing streak, and then they kept me from there on, and the rest is kind of history played the rest of that year and played, uh, I think it was what 22 was playoff games. That was 85-86. 85-86. And we went to the finals with Montreal against Patrick Waugh, which he was a rookie at that time. So it was a lot of it is timing. I was very fortunate to be – in the right place at the right time. And uh, I was playing decent. So it was, it was good. Badger Bob and Kent Nielsen are two of the guys that, oh. that didn't get to be a part of the 89 story, but really helped that eighties crew and, and were massive parts of the team before then. So they kind of get lost maybe in younger generations because <laughs> they weren't on that championship team. Can you tell us about both of them? Well, Kent Nielsen, magic man. And was, even Gretzky, he's, he said he's loves watching him. He's so talented. And he, and he was, and he was a great guy. And uh, um, they just couldn't win with him at that particular time. And then they moved him on and things. But I think he was very successful up in Edmonton when he played there. But Badger Bob is a very interesting story. He was the first coach I've had that was a positive thinker and always positive. Most of the coaches we've had are all negative and work harder and you're a bum and send you down to the minors if you don't pick your game up and you know it's stuff like that and you just you you get tired of it and i think with badger bob it was uh it was always positive i remember guys you know fourth line guys come on down here we're working on the power play and they're like what are you talking i'll never get on the power play when we're up a few goals guess what badger did he put him on the power play during a game and he would re reward you and i mean Guys like Bozak and Tim Hunter. He'd work with Tim Hunter on a penalty killing. So Tim Hunter, towards the end of his career, he was penalty killing for the Calgary Flames. He went to Vancouver. He was a regular shift, and he killed penalties. They went to the Stanley Cup Finals that year. against, And he was on that team, and he, he made you a believer. And I think that's the one great thing about Badger was, was he made you a believer in your own skill, and you can do it. You just have to maybe work at it a little more. We'll give you an opportunity and things like that. So it, it, he was great. I loved it. And uh, he was the guy that actually, <laughs> this is really crazy. And I laughed because I told Kevin Lowe this story over in the Olympics in Torino. I says, yeah, when we beat you guys at the playoffs, we did left wing lock. And he looks at me, what the hell are you talking about? So we would, Paul Coffey would, get the puck, and he'd always enter the zone on the left side of me, and Badger counted it. 
watched a lot of video and he counted it like 98% of the time. So he says, we're going to clog up that side of the ice. So Colin Patterson, one of the fastest guys around, we'll just pull our left winger back and act as like a, a defenseman a bit. And it worked. And, you know, if they dumped it in, Vernon, get out and play the puck, get it out of our zone as quick as possible. And little things like that. And if you get coffee in our own end, pin them for one, 1,000, two, 1,000, three, 1,000, just get them off his stride because he was so quick. He could get back into his own zone. So little things like that he did. And uh, before we played the series against Edmonton, we ate our dinner. He goes, guys, come with me. Walked around the corner and he took us to a movie theater. He rented the whole movie theater and we were, we watched Rocky. <laughs> it was unreal. We I've never like heard it, that. Like that's, it was, it was on, everybody was all jacked up and everything else like that. Just look and, over your right shoulder, Mike, take a peek right there. Just to, Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we we watched Rocky, and all it was is we're the underdog. And underdogs can win. So it, it just, he made it fun, right? And he made you a believer, which was, no other coach did that. Yeah. Call Peter Klein at McLeod Law at 403-254-3864, or go online at mcleod-law.com. You can also find them on social media at McLeod Law LLP. You know Peter Klein at McLeod Law, personal injury guy, but also he's the go-to guy in the city for your disability insurance claims. If your long-term disability insurance company is refusing to pay insurance benefits to you, contact Peter. He's going to help you out. He'll get you the disability benefits you paid for and you deserve. He'll get you your peace of mind back, the peace of mind you paid for. It's time to discover or rediscover the legendary St. Eugene Golf Resort and Casino. Planning a golf trip, a romantic getaway, or maybe just some tranquility away from the city, St. Eugene is the answer. Hotel, championship golf course, casino, spa, restaurants, all of it nestled in the spectacular Rocky Mountains and just minutes outside of Cranbrook, BC. Visit their website, steugene.ca, and experience the history and heritage of the St. Eugene Golf Resort and Casino. How much influence did that still have on that 80, 89 team? Oh, big time. Right? Because his, his fingerprints were all over. Yeah, I get the feeling that he left such a long-lasting impression on you guys that a lot of what he imprinted is what you guys lived. Oh, absolutely. He, you know, we, we continued to play. But systems, we called it a Gilmore sweep, where we just push them all off to the left side. And it, very similar stuff. And uh, another great story with Badger Bob, <laughs> you know, the hawk, because he'd always grab his nose. But he. Uh... Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. 
From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. He comes in one day and he says, yeah. What'd you guys have for breakfast? Suter, what'd you have for breakfast? Cornflakes and water. He goes, what? Cornflakes and water? How do you expect to perform? Next day, we had a nutritionist in the dressing room. Like, he would just... He would just care about you and want the best performance out of you, but it was always positive. I, I never heard the guy swear in my life. Never. And he'd always, great day for hockey. It's a great day for hockey. Better day for golf, we used to say. <laughs> <laughs> but he, he, he was a big influence on that whole, you could ask all the guys, everybody. Do you know the history on his philosophy with that? Because like you said, and I got to guess, especially at that time, it was a hard nose. That's grind. progressive. Right? Yeah, like that is about as progressive as you could probably be. Well, when he got in there, he had a lot of older guys like uh, Guy Schwinnard, Brad Marsh, Eric Vale, Doc Houston, yeah. Kent Nielsen. Guys like that were old school. And uh, just implementing those sort of things into the program. And those guys, they, they had a big, tough team. When they first moved here, they were big and tough and good hockey club. Uh, you know, and it was just interesting how we could talk to you. And I, 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 it would be interesting to see how a lot of the older guys, what they thought of them, mm -hmm. like Kent and uh, Brad Marsh and all those older guys and their philosophy, like how they took them. Because yeah. I think a lot of times Badger at that time, you sort of like long practices and they didn't like that because of college college you're always on the ice you play two games a week yeah, yeah. You can. And that's it so the the guys who are, i know at that time were tired of the tired of the practices being so long and then he had to adapt i cliff just said you can't do that in the nhl you gotta slow it down so but he was good i mean it's funny we, we haven't asked about it but it just comes up because it was so prevalent and almost the way you'd be measured it was just those those matchups with the oilers the way the division the smite division was set up you'd get them in round two seemingly every year you're the two best teams in the division every year one of you gets vancouver one gets winnipeg you meet in round two i mean there's some instances where it didn't go that way but you know when we talk about rivalry we think about things in today's game but i don't know that any of it would measure up to what you guys lived yeah it was uh it was pretty remarkable. And I mean, I, I know hate's a strong word, but it, there was a lot of hate and it was a, it was a battle. I mean, the radio stations used to go at it. The newspapers used to go at it and then the players went out and the fans. So it, it was, 
it was pretty crazy times and it was, it was a lot of fun to be part of. And we look back now and we laugh, I talk to coffee and they just say it was, it just brings out the best of you and, and some of the worst, but <laughs> it generally the competitiveness and, you know, the will to win and it brings out that will. So. I'm jumping ahead a bunch, but I do want to ask you like the, the heat of that battle of Alberta, did it get, close to that when you talk Detroit, Colorado, because you got to see some of that near its best. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was very similar. We brawled with them too a few times. So there, there was a lot of hate there too. But uh, I would say the Calgary-Edmonton one, just it had longer history and it was probably more physical in the early days. So there was a lot of fisticuffs and things like that, that were going on. And, well, and the fans geographically easy yeah. to. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I'd like to stampede or Eskimos. <laughs> yeah. Sure. I can't say Eskimos anymore, but back then sure. it was. That's what they were calling. Sorry. You can't say it. That's fine. <laughs> um, but Cliff Fletcher, it was interesting. Cliff Fletcher always built his team. He just says, if I get out of this division, we got to go through Edmonton. So I got to build a team to beat Edmonton. Yeah. That's how he looked at it. Was there way more interaction between management and players than i imagine there is today like was cliff down in the room and oh yeah talking it was more absolutely of a family atmosphere yeah it was owners were down there cliff was down there after every game coming just to say hi how's the family it wasn't just hockey talk it was yeah. everything else but um and we'll talk about a goal or a whatever but uh and Harley Hodgkiss would come down all Harley, the time. And it, yeah. it was, it, it, it was just a nice man. It was a, it was a family atmosphere. The Siemens would come down. It, it was just fun. It would, you know, they'd always have parties for us too, where they bring the ownership and the, everybody together, barbecues and little things. And uh, they just wanted to see your kids and see your families. And they were genuine and it, uh, it helped, I think. And I think, you know, we're the Stanley Cup team. There's 11 guys that from the Stanley Cup team that live here. Yeah. And I think that's a lot of it. And they stayed here after they retired. They stayed in Calgary or come back. And Calgary's a good city. And they have great memories of it. So I, I, I have to bring this up because I forgot you said it earlier. You, Colin Patterson was the speedster that was keeping up with coffee because. Oh, yeah. He's well. <laughs> We used to call him the fastest W <laughs> fastest white guy. <laughs> he was fast. He was great. He, yeah. I, yeah. He was my roommate for about five years too. So no patter was, uh, he was, he was fast. I remember practice. He'd have that. They do those. Oh, uh, the, the, yeah. Yeah. The bands or the whatever. bands yeah, and yeah, stuff yeah. and start skating and all. Then they'd have a parachute out and things like that. So. Yeah, Colin was a he was a good player. It's funny, like he was one of those glue guys. Every every championship team has glue guys, and I feel like it was not the sexiest role. He wasn't the biggest scorer, you know. He wasn't the GQ guy. I think he's better now that he's got rid of him. But <laughs> like he was a guy that everyone talks about. Like you just wanted to be around. He's one of these magnetic personalities, great storyteller. Like that's was it oh, yeah. just that year where everything was right, or did you feel like that group was due? Like what about '89? Because well, you, guys, you win, you stay together, but it just felt like, man, that group. Well, I, I, we reflect back on it and it was like, you know, we, Rob Ramage stepped in because Gary Suter broke his jaw and Rob Ramage was a great player, great human. And 
He played power play, penalty kill, regular shift. He was unbelievable. He's about two, I think he played around 220. He was a good-sized boy. And I'm like, they traded him in the summer. I'm like, what do you do? Like, I couldn't believe it. I'm like, why aren't we keeping the nucleus of the team together? Just leave it alone. And let's just keep going. And I think that was kind of the start of the the changing of the guard here. And then Doug Reisbrow came in and then, then it was, he just cleaned house. Well, and, and salaries were starting to become public and guys like new and and Gilmore are like, well, yeah, these guys are making what elsewhere? What are we doing here? Well, the, fairness, the players association, when we were going through that, we all knew that we would take a bit of a public hit. Yeah. And, uh, but the problem was, no one knew what anybody was making. Yeah. And it goes back to even Glenn Hall days. Glenn Hall signs a new contract. I think it was with Chicago or someone like that. And GM just, you know, brings them in and says, Glenn, I just appreciate it. If you keep this between you and I, and you go, yeah, you don't have to worry about it. I'm just as embarrassed about it as you are. <laughs> so it's just, that was the mentality back then. Yeah. We didn't talk about our contracts. And that was a big thing when we, the Players Association, boys, we got to expose our contract. We got to know what everybody makes. So we're all on the same page. Mm -hmm. And that was the start of things. And uh, now look where they are. Who was driving that for, at the time for the for Was the it Eagleson? Union? No, Eagleson was out. It was, okay. uh, oh, what's his name? He was a lawyer. They're all lawyers. <laughs> yeah, they're all lawyers, but it's uh, the guy from, I think it was from Minnesota or the States. Can't remember his name right now. I'll look it up right now. But it was, uh, those were, you know, obviously in my career, I think I had two lockouts, right? So we had to do it. You just, you know, you just had to, we didn't know a lot of what was going on and we just had to. Was there some eye-opening contracts when it did come out? Well, not so much. Or did you I know when the guys in the game maybe had yeah. an idea? Bob Goodnow was 92. He yeah, came Bob Goodnow. So it went from Eagleson to Goodnow, 91, 92. Yeah, that's how it all started. And then, but then things just started to pro progress, right? Uh, TV rights, they started getting yeah. a little better, but not much. We started expansion. Like things were starting to happen. Gretzky moving to LA was yeah. huge for the NHL. That was massive. All of a sudden it's, on the map in the United States and people are watching yeah. and um, you know, things started to take off for the NHL and uh, obviously they do some good revenues now and it's still going. Outdoor dental is dentistry with no needles, no drills and no stress. Their Salaya laser treatment is an excellent solution for people who experience dental phobia in one to two minutes. You'll be relaxed, comfortable, pain-free and back onto your day in minutes. Also, Outdoor Dental does snoring treatments. Two 15-minute sessions can increase the tension in the soft palate in the back of your throat, which reduces snoring. It's non-surgical and pain-free. Again, just two 15-minute treatments. Outdoor Dental does snoring treatments as well. Two 15-minute sessions can increase the tension of the soft palate, which reduces snoring. It's non-surgical and pain-free. Also at Outdoor Dental, Dental implant treatment can be scary for many, confusing, expensive. They use cutting-edge dental technology to ensure you're happy, healthy, and you'll feel confident in your results. Check them out online. It's Dr. Jay Patel at Outdoor.Dental. 
Vina Nova is Calgary's lab-grown diamond specialist. They're the only store in Calgary that specializes exclusively in lab-grown diamonds. You know you're getting the largest selection of loose lab-grown diamonds and jewelry in the entire city. Savings from lab-grown diamonds can be as much as 80% off. Visit vinanova.com or check them out in their downtown showroom on the second level of Stephen Avenue Place. What is a lab-grown diamond? Well, lab-grown diamond, simply a diamond that's been grown in a lab. They have the same chemical composition and crystal structure as natural earth-mined diamonds due to its identical nature. Lab-created diamonds have the same hardness, right refraction, and pretty much the same as a natural diamond. Only difference, they're lab-created and referred to as synthetic because they are chemically and physically the same but are man-made. Be confident knowing you can save up to 80% compared to mine diamonds pretty much across the board. If you want a custom design done, Vina Nova can do that as well. Just give them a few weeks of heads up to complete your custom piece. Find out more at vinanova.com. You would have come into the league and it was a mom and pop shop to start in a way. Basically, like family yeah. run teams. If you own the team, your dad had the team before you. It was like that sort of thing. And when you left, like we're talking a multi-billion dollar business run by a lawyer. Like you would have seen the transformation from mom and pop to corporate NHL in your career. Yeah. Like it, it's, it was a great time to play because there was a lot going on and moving. I think it was moving in the right direction. And, uh, the the numbers now are mind-boggling but uh it's it's entertainment and it's uh, they bring in the revenues and it's uh, it's good to see i like it but it's uh, the hockey i you know i still think i played in the best kind of year 80s and 90s was pretty pretty special hockey pretty good times and like you talked about edmonton calgary rivalry i think espn had their biggest ratings ever Really? It, back in that rivalry. No way. Yeah. And now ESPN's back on the... They're back. Back. They're back. Uh, I, I don't want to abandon 89. I do want to move forward. But but just tell me what you remember with Game 7, Round 1 against Vancouver. Because for as great as that year was, that no one in this city will ever forget. And it's made you guys immortals in a sense. Your names are on the cup. You almost didn't get through Vancouver in round one, if not for you being in some sort of a zone in overtime, Mike. Yeah, well, it, it was, yeah, it was crazy. I, you know, seven game series, anything can happen. They, they were a great team and like it just, any little bounce, they're not pretty goals a lot of time. They're just fluky bounces that go in. And uh, I just, I was just fortunate to be in the right place at the right time and, yeah, but you know, did you feel it? Did you feel you're in a zone? Yeah, you get yeah, in spots, you do. right? You, you do know when you're kind Hyper of hyper-focused. You could, yeah. There's no, there's no doubt, and yeah. uh, it's you know, I always bug Jamie McCowan. I go, how did he get free, Jamie? Because <laughs> <laughs> Jamie was at the far blue line instead of <laughs> at his blue line. But it's uh, yeah, you're just in the moment, and if you're zoned in, and you just try to focus on what you're trying to do and forget about everything else around you. Um, Petri Skrikal and everybody brings up Stan Smeal, but Petri Skrikal was a, it was a two on O and uh, I, you know, he, he probably shot for more of the middle of the net and thankfully on, from my standpoint. So I, I kind of reached out my, and I just got a, a, a toe on it basically and deflected it into the corner. But they did have some good scoring chances uh, in overtime and things like that. But uh, after it was over, I would just remember going into the dressing room and 
Cliff Fletcher grabbing me and <laughs> shaking me. And he's, yes, you son of a bitch. <laughs> you know, he was just so excited just to get over that hurdle and uh, and move on and get out of the, the smite division, I guess. So, uh, yeah, it was good. It was good fun, good memories. Um, the city was crazy. Probably not like when in 04 when Smaller you guys city then yeah well and it was electric think, ave not 17th Ave, but yes. electric ave was bumping i was yes told. yes <laughs> i remember going down there jamie mccallum and i tried to sneak down there <laughs> and it was wall-to-wall people and we got in there and they just put us in uh the office at three chairs and gave us a beer and said you can't go out there yeah, you're, gonna get- <laughs> you're gonna get mobbed we gotta get you out of here and then they did they got us out of there but was it you and Monty or you and Kami tried the same thing in 04? I went down once to the Red Mile and I walked about half a block and I'm like, there's no sense being down here. You're not meeting or t- it's Oh, yeah, that was, was crazy. So yeah. just mayhem. That's how important it is, you know, <sighs> to this city. Well, this, what it means this to sport people. teams and, you know, it just, I, I remember when we were in 85, 86, the economy wasn't that good here. And that just, help the spirits of everybody and uh it's very important i think that you have uh professional teams and sport teams in your community and you support them and it's a it's it's a huge part of the the makeup of this city no different than the stampeders no different than the calgary stampede and the calgary flames it's very important how because I 100% agree with you. I can remember going to the rink, playing here for the Flames, coming over the the hill on McLeod and seeing downtown. And every time I did that on the way to a game, I'd, well, it's a prayer or a little saying, I'd be like, okay, do it for the city, do it for the city. Yeah. Like you did take pride. I feel like that's lost a little bit today with the, the players today. I think it might be lost a little bit, but when you do create it, and I've said this about the Calgary and Edmonton, and Winnipeg and Buffalo, smaller center teams, if you can get the guys on your team to want to represent your city and buy yeah. into what that city is, it's just as important as having the most talent. Yeah, I agree. The city in the 80s, our team, everybody that w- was traded here loved it here. Yeah. And they enjoyed the city. They they were proud to have the C on their chest and, and represent the city of Calgary. And it, it was great. Their families would, you know, visit and come in and things. And it was just a great atmosphere and it's important. And, uh, you know, I think we, hopefully we, uh, in it, obviously if you're winning, it comes a little easier. Yes. <laughs> it's when you, you don't make playoffs. It's hard, to, it's hard to swallow that pill sometimes. And uh, everybody's kind of on pins and needles and you want to take the first flight out after the season's over type thing. But I couldn't you've got to get that, that winning attitude here first. And then you, you just take baby steps after that. I remember, uh, side note, we just we lost to Anaheim in that worst game seven ever in like 05 or 06 or whatever. And I was going for a jog. And we were leaving that afternoon to go to Hawaii. And you drove by me down by the river no. on Elway. He's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I don't know. I, we're, we're going to Hawaii after, this afternoon. So. Get out of town, Rats. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's like, get out of here. So yeah. what was the tension like in the city? Because the, the 
the thing that sucked is you might have had a top three team every year for a half decade, but the Oilers were up the street and they had the best player in the history of hockey, which you probably knew at the time was the case, and Messier and Coffee and some good goalies they rotated through. Was it a sense of like these guys will never do it, or like, or was there still this positivity about how good the team was? Because Missing the playoffs is one thing, but getting close and not getting over the, the hurdles also another form of frustration a fan base can have. Yeah, I just I, I think you you kept seeing your team getting better. Cliff made moves what was he was trying to improve his team. And uh we all saw that, you know, when winning presidents trophies and being in the top of the league and things like that, you know there was an expectation of you winning. Like you got to go to the cup or that. Yes, it was high, but we were bringing in guys like Ramage and Gilmore. And the guy that saved my bacon was uh, Rick Wamsley. Like we really never had a, another goalie in the system that could actually play. And so when Rick Wamsley got here, I think he played 25 games that year and I could Rest. Get a rest. Yeah. I didn't have to play 65 games or whatever it was. And I was fresh going into the playoffs and things like that. And he was a great supporter. Uh, he was huge for me uh, in giving me that, that support, but also pushing me because every time he went in, he played well. Yeah. And I knew I got to, okay, I got to play well too when I get in there. So that was, it was an inter- Kind of pressure, but it was a good positive one. So, you know, yes, the expectations to win were extremely high. And when we didn't win, yes, you'd feel it. And especially me being a city boy yeah. and everything else going anywhere. I remember going to Willow Park Golf Course. Just I just went to hit balls on an off day. And people, shouldn't you be practicing? Shouldn't you be doing <laughs> this? Shouldn't? And it's like, are you serious? Uh, and I would just like, forget it. And then... Even after hockey games, McGinnis and I would just go home. He lived down the street, and his girlfriend would make us some pasta, and we'd just have a couple beers and just sit out, sit out in the backyard and overlook the city. I just kind of, wow. Okay, so this is going to be the grind for the next two months. or yeah. <laughs> yeah, And that's the way it was. You, you didn't really go out in public too often. <laughs> we were kind of hiding. Yeah. And so we've we've heard Lanny tell his version. We've heard Colin Patter tell his, and 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 many others. But you get past Vancouver in that crazy round one. I thought rounds two and three came more le more easily to you, L.A., Chicago, and then the final Montreal. You're the first team ever to lift the cup as a visitor in the Montreal form. The first one, only, ever, yeah. only team ever to do it. Uh, pick us up, pick it up with maybe Lanny that night, and then returning home having summited the mountain. You get, you did it. You finally had. had what had were the nerves going in? Obviously, huge nerves, but like, actually, it, it wasn't bad. Yeah. We were a confident bunch, and we knew that we were capable of winning, and we were all confident of that. We just had to go prove it. So we get out there, and it was <clears throat> into the third period, and you know it's getting close, and you know Lanny scores that big goal, and. I was so happy for him because he's probably the best captain I have ever had. Uh, and then it was like, holy smokes, we're up. Okay, what's going to happen, boys, if we win? And we're looking around and the Rocket Richard thing and the riots that happened in the old days. And we were like kind of on pins and needles, like what it was winding down. And 
we're kind of all looking at each other and just, okay. So then we win and we're like, okay, we're going to celebrate. Is <laughs> that did? all right if we celebrate <laughs> we <did>. here <laughs> type thing? But it, we, the Montreal fans were, uh, they're so knowledgeable, but they were gracious and they stood up and gave us an ovation. It was awesome. It was, uh, it was really something. And they actually, they enhanced it for us. They made it that much better when they did that. And then we just went to the dressing room. We had our beers. We celebrated. We changed. We jumped on the plane. It was just us. That's with the, the wives and just the scouting staff, the management. I remember we were pulling the plane back and hold it. Jack Maloney goes, no, go forward. They had to order more plane, more beer to get on the plane. <laughs> I don't think we got enough. Get some more on there. And then we took off. But it was just us. I remember sitting with Ian McKenzie, Glenn Hall, and just sitting with everybody and having a beer and hugs and just, just us. We did it in this plane. It's this group from management right down and to the stick boys and, and the tray, everybody. And it was awesome. It was it was a really good way to win it. Yeah, we probably would have, you know, enjoyed it too, winning in front of our fans and let the whole city erupt. Yeah. Um, but they had the parade to do that. Because they had the next you know, summer for that. <laughs> and all summer they had bragging rights. Hey, guys, it's Pinder. Time for your Betway Bet of the Day. We're going to dive into some NFL futures today. There's nothing quite as lovable as a rookie running back. They're not hurt and broken yet. They're excited to be in the league, and they rush for tons of yardage. Bijan Robinson was the first running back off the board to Atlanta in this year's draft. He was a stud at college. He's 10-1 to 1 to win the rushing title this year in the NFL behind a solid Atlanta O-line. Let's dance on 10 to 1 for Bijan Robinson to win the rushing title in the NFL this season. That's your Betway bet of the day. That's it for part one of our sit down with the Hall of Famer, Mike Vernon. Thanks for watching. Be sure to join us tomorrow, 10 a.m. Mountain on YouTube, as we'll debut part two with the affable, fun, friendly, everyone loves him, Mike Vernon. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 